from the perfectly enclosed studios of Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, PA, it is time for another protective episode of Chemical Free Horticultural Hijinks You Bet Your Garden. I am your host, Mike McGrath. Do you have a greenhouse that doesn't seem to have the right bells and whistles? Or preferably, are you thinking of building one? On today's show, we'll help a listener with some ideas on how to create the perfect outdoor home for precious plants. Otherwise, it's a fabulous phone call show, cats and kittens. Yeah, potential guests are busy remodeling. So we will take that heap and help them. Of your telecommunicated questions, comments, tips, tricks, suggestions, and seriously serene socializations. So keep your eyes and or ears right here, true believers, because it's all coming up faster than your plants looking good in Feb right after this. Support for You Bet Your Garden is provided by the Espoma Company, offering a complete selection of natural organic plant foods and potting soils. More information about Espoma and the Espoma Natural Gardening Community can be found at ESPOMA.com. Welcome to another spine-tingling episode of You Bet Your Garden from the studios of Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, PA. I am your host, Mike McGrath. Coming up later, we're going to learn you how to make the perfect greenhouse. But first, lots of your fabulous phone calls at 888-492-9444. Jordan, welcome to You Bet Your Garden. Well, thanks, Mike. It's great to be on. It's great to have you on, Jordan. How you doing? I'm doing very well. Thank you for asking. How are you? I'm just ducky. Oh, you can't even see ducky. There. I thought you might say that. <laughs> yeah. Why would you think such a thing? Uh, I, I can't explain how these things take off, but cats and kittens and ducky, if I miss it once, you know, I get all email complaints. All right. Where, where are you, Jordan? I'm calling from the beautiful uh, hilltop campus of Circle of Seasons Charter School in Fogelsville, Pennsylvania. In whatville? Fogelsville. Oh, Fogelsville. Yeah, now I know where you're talking about. Oh, they got a charter school up there now, do they? Huh? I guess That's they, right. I guess they do that. Um, and, <laughs> and what can we do for you, Jordan? All right, so I am the garden teacher at Circle of Seasons, and um, recently with a third grade class, I planted onion sets, uh, hoping to overwinter them, which is something I've never done, but I thought would be fun to try. Um, and it looks from my research like it would work out well. Um, so we planted them about mid-October, um, right before we left for a small break. Uh, we mulched them with straw and some of the uh, leaves of the onions did make it up above the straw, um, which was like exciting. Hey, cool. We can show the students. They were all into it. Uh, but then I, I was inspecting them closely and I saw uh, something that I did not want to see at all, which was the tiny little circle pockmarks of Allium leaf miner who is a longtime enemy of mine. Um, and I only saw a couple of plants that had this marking on it. Um, and so my question is twofold. One, um, do you think I'm safe to just remove the ones that I see the damage on now? Um, and should I do that like now in the fall or like wait until I uncover uh, everything in the spring? 
Um, and second, um, do I need to remove all of the plants, assuming that the allium are going to be around, or can I? Do you think I'm still safe to put on, uh, like, you know, the insect uh, netting in the spring? Um, leaf miners travel through plant leaves and make marks like little maps, little roadways through the leaves. You're talking about holes. Are you sure you have the correct insect ID? I am almost positive because uh, the first year I grew garlic at my house, um, I saw these same marks and I didn't, you know, I saw it kind of late in the game and I did end up then taking apart the garlic and finding the little larva uh, and the cocoons like down in the garlic cloves. So I called the extension service and they were like, yeah, you got to destroy all that. Um, so yeah, it's, it's like a, it's vertically stacked, small. They're not holes, but they, they're circles. Oh, uh, um, no, kind of no, like white on, no, on the green leaf. no, no, never mind. They're not leaf miners, man. There, oh, okay. there is a pest whose name is escaping me, which is going to happen more frequently on the show, guys. <laughs> as I get older, hey. Um, but it is, I believe, a fly that lays its eggs um, on underground parts of allium. Now, I'm not quite sure what's going on with your leaves, but if you found, essentially, let's be honest, maggots inside um, your garlic cloves at one point, then I think this is an experiment that needs to be terminated. Um, be, mm. Because the signs are there that the fly, which won't be active over winter, um, has done its job of reproducing um, by infesting your onions underground. So I think you gotta chalk this up for a loss. How old are ah, your boy. kids? How old are your kids? Uh, these. These were a uh, third grader, so they're nine. Oh, it's going to be like Bambi's mother. Oh. <laughs> um, I, you know, I mean, this is a teaching moment. Uh, as I've said yeah. on the show many times, professional farmers, um, both conventional and organic and in between, budget to harvest 55% of the crops they grow. Hmm. That puts them in the black. So, you know, gardening is not for the timid. It's not for the weak. No. It's not for the easily disappointed. Um, no. But, you know, this is a great lesson for the kids. Um, you know, if if it wouldn't, ah, I don't care if it freaks out everybody out there. Play a couple rounds of poker with the kids. Teach them the elements of poker. These are lessons that need uh, to be learned in life. You can wait a couple more grades to teach them how to play craps. <laughs> but right now, you're going to do poker and explain the whole science. You need to know when to hold them and you need to know when you fold them. So yeah. right now, I honestly suggest that you abandon this, plant fresh onion sets in the spring, which 
in my mind, is the more traditional time and cover those immediately with insect netting. Um, you know, Remay, uh, that's the brand name of the most popular mm -hmm. type of row cover. But make sure it's firmly down, uh, held down at the corners and plant it in a different location. And then you'll get onions. Mm, okay. If you allow gotcha. these infected ones uh, to proceed as kind of a, you know, anti-control, you know, then you're just going to introduce more flies to, yeah. to the whole area. So um, when you order onion sets, they've been inspected. They're fly-free. So you get them in the ground and you cover them immediately with insect netting that's firm at the corners. And, you know, it is, it may be hard for a third grader to understand, but we learn so much more from failure than we do Absolutely. from success. Success may have been an accident. Failure, <laughs> I'm not going to do that again. <laughs> right. <laughs> I, I want to keep all nine fingers now. <laughs> all right, man. Uh, I'm a little worried now. Yeah, I'm a little worried now because I have a whole bed of garlic right next to this. Uh, I, they didn't come up. I planted them later, but now I have to get down there and inspect and see if there's any damage yeah. to those ones because that would be a whole 4 by 20 raised bed of garlic just out the window. Well, it. you said you planted it later? Yeah. 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 I doubt that the flies were active. At that point, um, you're up in a northerly area of Pennsylvania. Um, you know, I, I would hate to see the whole bed destroyed, but there's no way to tell at this time. You yeah. know, you just you just got to play the cards you were dealt. Um, but I would cover that with uh, insect netting in the spring. So if you do have the allium fly, it doesn't escape. And if you see you gotcha. have the allium fly, then take the kids out to a movie or something. <laughs> All right? All right, Michael. Thanks a lot. Good luck to you, sir. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. Two little bugs, little bugs, little bugs, little bugs, little bugs, little bugs. Two little bugs, little bugs, little bugs, little bugs, little bugs, little bugs. Pam, welcome to You Bet Your Garden. Hi, Mike. How are you doing today? I am just ducky. Thanks for asking. How is Pam? That's great. I'm doing very well. And where does Pam do well? I'm doing well in Fort Washington, Pennsylvania. Okay. What can we do you for? 
Well, we uh, unfortunately were hit by tor- the tornado that was a result of Hurricane Ida right. on September 1st. Mm-hmm. And we had many trees, including black walnuts, which I wasn't too upset about, uprooted. Right. Um, and many trees were damaged to, to a pretty extreme uh, uh, root. But at any rate, um, what we've lost, we've lost about 30 to 40 trees. Our property previously was fairly wooded. Mm-hmm. And, of course, there were you know, kind of natural woods with uh, including, uh, you know, invasive honeysuckles and wisteria and all of these things that probably could have come down earlier, but uh, the tornado helped us a bit. Hey, the tornado so got have... rid of wisteria? Send it my yeah, way. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> we had to cut it off. I mean, I think it would have come back. We had to cut it, cut it and get rid of it. Well, that's so great. So the trees came down, and we cut down a number of dead ash trees. We have a number of stumps, as you would guess. Mm-hmm. We've pulled out some of the stumps, but um, we've gone back and forth in terms of stump grinding at, or just trying to pull them out or working around them. What would be the best option okay. or what are the options? Okay, so how tall is the tallest stump you have? We have, the tallest is probably about four feet. Where we were going to leave a snag, but we decided against it. Most of them are anywhere from, uh, you know, right down to the, on the, to the ground up to like three, four feet. So your options, as you say, you can have the stump ground down, but then you can't, right. gr- then you can't grow anything there because there's this giant plug in the ground that won't degrade for 20 or 30 years. Or you can have the stump ground down to a comfortable height and uh, cover it with containers of plants that you like to see so that everything is working out together. the other, I, I, I've talked about this before, driving through Allentown, there is a house that had a big tree come down, and they made a mm-hmm. dining room table outdoors out of the stump, and then they had a local woodworker come and make chairs out of the rest of the wood. So it's, it's like Hobbitron. I mean, it's, it's just right. stunning. Uh, but grinding is okay if you don't care about something regrowing there. But I always recommend that people uh, consider the stump as a starting place uh, for a nice elevated container garden. Okay. And as far as planting grass seed over the where the stump was ground, is that no, doable? No, it won't work. Or does it... No, it won't work. Oh, really? Okay. No, only where okay. you actually pulled the stumps out, and they're a bear to get them rid of. They are, Yeah. Um, the good news is we got a lot of wal- uh, black walnut wood that we're saving to try to give to a sawmill um, or sell to a sawmill because it's beautiful wood. Okay. Uh, there is uh, an old friend of mine from Rodale, Ellis Wallentine, not Valentine, who was the editor of uh, the woodworking magazine at Rodale. And I think his website is wood.com. And it's a gathering place for uh, people who have small-scale sawmills uh, to find wood for people to approach them and all that kind of stuff. Oh, great. Great. That's very helpful. We've been, we've been searching. 
Okay. Well, uh, start there. And um, I, right. I think you'll find your way from there. Okay? Okay, great. Well, thank you so much, Mike. I really appreciate all your help. My pleasure. Take care now. Have a great day. Bye. Bye. Well, it's time for me to take a little break and either warn or remind everyone that the freshest cut Christmas trees come from your local Christmas tree farm. Come on, you're going to get hot chocolate and cookies. You're going to walk through frozen dirt. You're going to pick one out. They're going to cut it down for you. You're supporting local business, local agriculture, and you're preventing that area from being turned into little boxes on the hillside. It doesn't get any better than that. But don't go putting on your best outdoor shoes just yet, because we'll be right back with things to know about greenhouse design and more of your fabulous phone calls. I'm Mike McGrath, and you're listening to You Bet Your Garden from the studios of Lehigh Valley Public Media in the Christmas city of Bethlehem, PA. back to another thrilling episode of You Bet Your Garden from the studios of Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, PA. I am your host, Mike McGrath. Coming up a little bit later, greenhouses are addictive. Once you have one, you only want to make it bigger and better. And we'll tell you how to do that in the question of the week. For now, it's back to your fabulous phone calls at 888-492-9444. Helen, welcome to You Bet Your Garden. Hi, Mike. Hello, Helen. How are you doing? I am fine, and I'm calling from Edmond, Oklahoma. Oh, that's like the ground zero for my people down there. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I saw you speak at UCO. Oh, wasn't that so much fun? That was, that was. Now, do you mean the Botanic Garden or the college? No, the college. Oh, okay. Yeah, I love your Botanic Garden. I love the speaker's stage that's out in the middle of the water. It's beautiful. It really is. I kept thinking they were going to pull the bridge back, though. All right. What what could we do for Helen in Oklahoma? Okay. Our neighborhood has an armadillo that is terrorizing us. (laughs) And the reason why I know is I went out to get the paper early one morning about three weeks ago, and there he is digging in my yard. Mm -hmm. 
How dare he? Anyway, I shoot him away, and he ran down the street to somebody else's yard. Good. Good. <laughs> but I want to know, is there anything we can do to prevent this from happening? I'm. He must have been there all night. I have holes all over our Bermuda grass. Is there any treatment you can do well, to um, first scare of all, these guys away? Bermuda is a lucky choice in this case because, you know, that's going to regrow. All you got to do. Oh yeah, I know. All you got to do is throw a little bit of dirt in there and tamp it down with your foot. Armadillos are like above ground moles. Uh, they are carnivores, and they only eat fresh meat. So poison gummy bears and things like that aren't going to make it. They got to dig up a worm or a cicada larva, or um, or or lawn grubs. Do you have lawn grubs? Yes, I didn't realize we did, but somebody else discovered the grubs in their yard okay. where it was kind of dug up. You know? Okay. Well, that's something we can do something about. Um, there are a number of effective non-toxic uh, grub killers. Um, Gardens Alive, which, again, helps uh, support the show— but they're the only reason I know about this stuff. I think they funded the research. They have um, two versions. Uh, one is Grub Away, I think, oh, and one is Grub oh. Be Gone, something like that. But it's the latest form of BT, Bacillus thuringiensis. And it's, oh, yeah. It's called BTG for Galleria. Why? I have no idea. But... Um, when the grubs are feeding on your lawn, you know, in the fall, or late summer, early fall, when you don't see uh -huh. no Japanese beetles anymore, that's when the grubs are breaking out of their eggs underneath your lawn. And they'll feed on the roots of it, and then they'll burrow down uh, beneath the frost line. And I'm thinking we probably just missed the timing, um, but then... There is uh, another weapon. Now, they don't feed on the way out in the spring, so you can't get okay. them to ingest any of these uh, particles that would kill them. But um, they also offer BTG in a liquid form for spraying on roses and uh, grapevines and other um, Japanese beetle-possessed plants. You know, they love to feed on. Boy, they love those roses. So in in the spring, when you see... here, Here's the way to use Japanese beetle traps. Um, in the spring, as the weather warms up, go to a hardware store, buy a single Japanese beetle trap, and set it out okay. wherever you normally see Japanese beetles. Um, and check it every day. As soon as you see the first beetle in the bag, close the bag up, get it out of there, take it down to the basement, and wrap it in 14 Ziplocs. Use it again the following <laughs> year. Um, never have Japanese beetle traps around your plants. They just attract more Japanese beetles. But this is how farmers use things like this um, as, cool. in, as indicators. You know, they don't want to wait until they notice damage, they want to find the first fruit fly, the first beetle, the first nasty insect that comes in. 
So they have monitoring stations that have a pheromone scent, and the first insects of that species to arrive, they'll check the traps every day. As soon as they see it, then they'll start spraying. So even in conventional agriculture, it's a good thing because they're not wasting pesticide, at least. Same goes, right. same goes for you. This might not be the worst time to, um, to order it. You know, maybe they won't ship it until the spring. You might be able to find it at a hipper garden center. But again, right. you know, I only know of it um, through GA. And, um, yeah, if you, if you wipe out all the Japanese beetles, you shouldn't have too many grubs in your lawn. But I would still recommend that you put down um, the powder grub killer in August. Okay. And it'll wash down, and any grub that ingests a single molecule of this stuff will die. But it doesn't affect anything else. It won't hurt earthworms, pets, humans, wombats. No, nothing else is <laughs> affected by it. Now, as, yeah. as to direct, um, you know, they have amazing claws. They are excellent diggers. I don't know if they can climb. Do you have any kind of protective fencing? No, not really, no. And it's, they're digging up an entire lawn, so... You... Well, they're just... It's funny, they just dug up the Bermuda. They didn't touch our Zoiza. That's funny. Because they can't get through. <laughs> a Zoiza lawn is like stainless steel. Come on. <laughs> you know, people don't like its tan color in the winter sometimes, but that you'll never see a weed in there once it's fully established. I mean, it, right. ju it yeah. just hits them over the head with a gun butt. Uh, there's <laughs> also another resource I want you to check out. My good friend Howard okay. Garrett um, out of Texas. He's called the Dirt Doctor. Oh, yes. And he specializes in um, problems in Oklahoma, Texas, and related areas. And Howard, Howard has a lot of armadillo experience, a lot more than me. So that's a start on getting rid of your grubs. If you don't have a lot of grubs in your soil, I don't think they'll come around. And uh, Howard may know a good repellent to spray on the Bermuda. I would just suggest regular old uh, deer repellent with an active ingredient of uh, putrescent egg solids. But Howard's always one step ahead of me. He's my, he's my Texas buddy. And the two of us keep <laughs> praising Praising the joys of organics on the radio. All right. Well, I'll try. Yeah, I'm, I'll try several of those methods so we don't have to fight with these guys next year. Okay, good. And on an upcoming show, I have a bottle of armadillo repellent at home. I'll bring on the uh, air. <laughs> so you'll have to watch the TV show that week. Okay. Take care. And hey, thanks for your time. My pleasure. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. Here we go for another one. 888-492-9444. Suzanne, welcome to You Bet Your Garden. Well, thank you. It's always a pleasure to speak with you. And it's always a pleasure to hear, I don't know, to hear myself speak. <laughs> <laughs> and how are you today? I'm just ducky. Thanks for asking. How is, is Ducky wearing his mask? Ducky <laughs> is wearing his mask. He's going to get his third shot as soon as it's 
available. Uh, it's a special shot uh, for waterfowl, so it's hard to get. But um, wonderful. Yeah, he's he, <laughs> you know, when Ducky goes to a concert, he buys three seats and he sits in the middle. <laughs> All right. Where are you, Suze? I'm in Willamette Valley, Oregon. Oh, right. Uh, say that again, because I, I don't think I've pronounced that correctly in the past. I know. I, we didn't either when we first moved up here. It's Willamette Valley. It looks like Willamette. Yeah. It's Willamette Valley. That's where the locals say it. Okay. That's beautiful country up there. It's gorgeous. It's gorgeous, especially right now in the fall. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, do you have a lot of deciduous trees? Oh, oh, yes. The colors right now are spectacular. Plus, the vineyards are all golden, and they're beautiful. So it's quite gorgeous here right now. That's great. All right, what can we do you for? Well, <laughs> we are plagued with oxalis. And we have five acres here, but we don't just call it, we don't do anything with quite a bit of it. But we have huge areas that my, my husband has been trying for four years to get a decent lawn going, and it, the oxalis is, is choking it all out. We have four beautiful dogs, and mm. so I refuse to let them use herbicides. It's too big to solarize, and I'm wondering what, what we might do. Uh, I looked into, you mentioned corn gluten meal, and University of Washington did a study on it, said it doesn't work here. So I don't know what to do. I wonder if we have it tilled. Would that do anything? You, if you have it tilled, it'll get worse. No oh boy. Okay. Yeah. Well, thank you. So That's encouraging. <laughs> well, you know, um, I got my thinking cap on here. What kind of grass is your husband trying to grow? Well, we did a mix of perennial rye and fescue. I think it was uh, tall fescue. Right. Okay. It did reasonably well until the oxalis choked it out. And yeah. I think it is ridiculous. It's too much of it. Um, the good news is you can beat this. Uh, the bad news is you're going to have to redo the lawn. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the fescue is a great grass, but it's a clumping grass that does not spread. So there's always little holes for these weeds to take hold. Do you know what zone you are? Uh, well, we've been eight, but we're we're morphing with global warming into nine B. Really? So okay. it rarely freezes here, but and uh, but this 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 summer was hot as Hades. So right, boy, I think I got a grass for you. Uh, All right. Now, because your temperatures are normally high and you don't get a freeze. I think zoysia grass would be green for you at least 10 months of the year. And, th nice. and then it would, um, it would turn tan uh, maybe in the middle of, quote, winter. But the thing about zoysia grass is once it gets established, it is impenetrable. Um, no weed can survive in zoysia grass. And I've had the personal experience of people planting. Zoysia grass is planted by plugs. You get these big rolls of sod, okay. and you cut the plugs, and you plant them. I would even suggest that you could um, cut everything out there down to 
um, where you see a little bit of dirt blowing out the back of the mower, really scalp okay. it. And then um, at the right time of year, and your county extension service is going to be the best to determine that, but I'm thinking very early spring, you would install the plugs, keep them watered, and by the end of the year, you may see some oxalis, um, but you'll, you'll see that the zoysia has spread. It's perfect for your climate. It was developed in Florida. And um, by year two, you're not going to see much weeds at all. And by year three, you're going to have a lush, solid lawn that is very slow growing and really doesn't need to be fed. Awesome. Well, I love the way we talk. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> my music. That's what all the girls say. So, <laughs> so, uh, oh, goodness. so check it out. This isn't done by seed. It's done by plugs. And I had a zoysia okay. grass lawn when I was a kid and I saw it just, it beat up weeds. It knocked them to the ground. It gave them a wedgie. It took their lunch money. I mean, <laughs> no weed can survive in, in zoysia grass. And again, it grows slowly. You really don't have to cut it more than a couple times a year. Wow. I like that. <laughs> so <will> my hubby. <laughs> so check it out. Z-O-Y. Oh, one other thing. Do you think it's safe to grow uh, garlic without deer fencing? Oh, yeah. Deer don't bother garlic. Okay. Great. Um Evil squirrels, where I am, dig up my garlic and replace it with black walnuts. Um, but oh, I don't well, know. Well, our dogs dig up the garlic, so we have to put something around them. But my, my elder thinks it's delicious. <laughs> well, the easiest thing is to take some welded wire fencing and lay it down over top of the garlic patch the garlic sprouts will come right up through the openings in the fencing. Um, but if you secure the fencing on all sides, the dogs won't be able to get under it. Oh, I like it. Okay. All right. Well, that's wonderful. Thank you. What, can I ask one more quick thing? Real Go ahead. Quick. Do uh, cooked vegetables offer any benefit to the compost? Oh, uh, yeah. As long as they don't make up too much of it. Um, okay. You, you remember that a compost pile has to be four or five parts uh, dry brown material to one part of things like kitchen waste. Okay. All, All right. right. Well, thank you very much. My I pleasure. I appreciate your time. Good luck to you. It's always a pleasure. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Well, it's time for me to take another little break and remind and or warn everyone who gets a cut Christmas tree this season that they should bring the tree home, cut two extra inches off the bottom, and then plunge that recut bottom into a big bucket of water for a full 24 hours. You'll be amazed at how much a tree can suck up if it's been grown during a dry season. And you won't have a carpet that is suddenly turned into green needles. But don't go getting out the bow saw just yet, because we'll be right back with greenhouse design tips and more of your fabulous phone calls. I'm Mike McGrath, and you're listening to You Bet Your Garden from the studios of Lehigh Valley Public Media in the Christmas city of Bethlehem, PA. 
Welcome back to another thrilling episode of You Bet Your Garden from the studios of Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, PA. I am your host, Mike McGrath, and we're in the stretch now, cats and kittens. In just a little bit, we will help you design a greenhouse that's energy efficient and really suits your needs and, more importantly, the needs of your precious plants. In the meantime, however, more of your precious phone calls at 888-492-9444. Number to call, 888-492-9444. Jim, welcome to You Bet Your Garden. I'm glad to be here. Thank you for listening to me. Oh, well, we're glad to have you here, Jim. Where are you? (laughs) I'm in uh, Lebanon, Tennessee, near Nashville. Oh, okay. Very good. Do you get us uh, over the air from Nashville? I do. Mm -hmm. Okay. Very good. Well, what can we do for Jim near Nashville? Well, I have a first uh, year uh, crop of asparagus, and I'm getting mixed advice on uh, what to do this fall, when to cut it back, and how to cover it after I cut it back, and just... uh, Wanted to get some ideas on that. Okay. Did you harvest any of it this year? No, I did not. Good man. And planted the roots. Good man. Um, but uh, the spears did come up. Yes, they're yep. taller than I am. <laughs> yes, okay. So they have formed what we call their fronds, um, F-R-O-N-D-S, mm-hmm. those beautiful fan-like things. And um, how do the fronds look? Are they still green? Are they turning color? Uh, they're still green. We haven't had a, a frost yet. We, it, we're just now starting to get some cool days in the 40s. Okay, great. Because, you know, they absorb the solar energy that's going to give you a good crop, uh, a little bit of a good crop beginning next year, and then every year thereafter for 20 or 30 years. So, mm-hmm. um Right now, again, uh, the hardest thing for a gardener to do is do nothing. So you're just going to let those fronds stand until you've had a couple of hard frosts. Now, uh, do you know what you Mm -hmm. planted? Did you plant one of the all-male varieties, an old heirloom? Uh, The two varieties, there's a purple variety. Right. uh, It's what Burpee recommended. I forget. (laughs) Right. Okay. Um, let the fronds stand. Uh, did you have any asparagus beetle? Any asparagus what? Uh, beetles, insect pests. Uh, no, I haven't seen any insects in there. No. Okay, great. They're very distinctive. They're very colorful. All right. Well, after, after you have a couple of good hard frosts, um, then you can cut them down. Don't go too low. Um, you know, leave a good-sized stub coming up out of the ground. And then, you know, I would just uh, chop the fronds up a little bit and use those to mulch the beds. Um, If you want to remove them, mulch the beds with an inch or two of shredded leaves. Okay. Is that in line with... uh, Yeah, because one of the things I had been told was to cover them with compost, but you say just cover them with uh, mulch. Um, you know, compost wouldn't be a bad idea. Do you have the compost available? 
Uh, I do. I've got a pretty good bit of compost. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to yield to that other advice and say two inches of compost. Um, that'll okay. that'll start feeding them as soon as the soil warms up in the spring. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. And I understand it's important to keep the beds uh, weeded, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, weeds are the biggest enemy of um, asparagus, which I think is maybe why some people like to remove the fronds because they can get in the bed once it freezes uh, without damaging the new mm-hmm. spears. And then, yes, uh, you, you want to pull any weeds you see. But I like okay. I like the idea of doing a little, wait till the frost, uh, wait till the freeze, actually. Um, cut mm-hmm. down your fronds. Um, and if you're going to use them, put the compost down first and then lay the fronds mm-hmm. on top. Okay. All right? Okay. I'll be over for some cream of asparagus soup in three years. Okay. I'll be looking for you. All right, Jim. You take care, sir. All right. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. As always, at this point in time, it is time for the question of the week, which we're calling... Hey, I'm the one who's calling it. Greenhouse 101. Phil in Jones, Oklahoma, which is near Oklahoma City, writes, I recently had a greenhouse built, 8 feet wide by 15 feet long by approximately 8 feet high with a traditional vaulted roof. The floors are wood with quarter-inch spaces to allow water to escape. The entire greenhouse is raised on blocks about a foot. Most of the roof and sides is are covered with 8 mil plastic. But for the winter, I'll also insulate the wall panels and roof on the north side with 12 mil translucent greenhouse insulation. I also have panels of styrofoam insulation around the base. My question pertains to a heating source inside the greenhouse. There are all kinds of self-proclaimed greenhouse experts on the internet that tout various kinds of electric heaters. But when I look at the reviews on Amazon, I see scary one-star ratings, mostly because of potential fire hazards. Now, gas or propane heating is impractical and too costly. So for now, I feel that I must use an electric heater. There are all kinds out there, such as coil, ceramic, and infrared. I think I'll go with an infrared heater that Consumer Reports gives high ratings for safety and efficiency. It produces 5,000 BTUs, British Thermal Units, kids, which approximates my need based on a fact sheet from my local university extension service. I will use a correctly rated 50-foot extension cord to power the heater, and I will also place a smoke detector inside with a remote alert via smartphone. Winters in Oklahoma can dip below the 30s on infrequent occasions and never below 20. 
The heater has a thermostat and safety shutoff if it gets too hot. But might you have any other suggestions for safe heat? Well, although highly detailed in many regards, Phil's treatise left me with many questions. So we had a follow-up phone conversation. But first, I'm going to go against my grain and reveal that the direct answer to his question is an oil-filled electric radiator. That's what I used in my greenhouse when I grew hot pepper plants over the winter for our major displays at the Philadelphia Flower Show. There's no flame, no heated coils, just gentle, radiant heat controlled by easy-to-use settings and a built-in thermostat. So Phil can now stop buying fire extinguishers in bulk. But I was, and still am, growing in a cold winter area, especially when I was raising a lot of hot pepper plants for one of our displays in 1994, when we were hit by weather so fierce we had to keep shoveling a path through waist-high snow to get to the greenhouse door. And Oklahoma has relatively mild winters, so I told Phil I was more concerned about his greenhouse overheating during bright, sunny winter days and asked if his structure had an automatic vent. Not exactly, he replied, explaining that he had double doors that he planned to prop open when it got too hot inside, plus his side windows also swung out to ventilate the place. Okay, Phil. So you're going to open all this up on hot days and then remember to close everything up tight when it gets cooler that night? That gets old by day three. Do the windows open at the top at least? No, he answered. They swing out the bottom. You do realize that heat rises, right? You need to be able to ventilate excess heat from as high up as possible which is easily done with an automatic vent, where a gas-filled cartridge lifts up a roof panel or an arch above one of the doors when it gets too hot and lowers it automatically when it gets cooler. He explained that he and the builder thought about installing one, and now he will. I asked if the greenhouse had the traditional bench or table down the center. Nope. We built large shelves along the insides of the walls. Uh, where the temperature changes are going to be the most extreme, I interrupted. Cursed be YouTube videos, I yelled. Well, at least you can put the oil-filled radiator in the center of the room and think about swapping out those shelves for a center bench next year. Now, let's end with a few other tips we discussed. Greenhouse supply companies carry large, heavy rubber heating mats that cover the central bench to keep the root zone of the plants warm. Numerous studies have shown that bottom heat protects plants from cold much better than things that warm the air temperature. They're made for greenhouse use, so they are, of course, safe to use around water, but they must be plugged into a ground fault interrupter receptacle. 
They have a probe that goes into the dirt of one of the plants to keep things at the perfect temperature. In Oklahoma, this should be more than enough to protect plants over winter. So it's likely there might not be any need for an actual heater. And you can also use those mats for seed starting in the spring. I also explained to Phil that when we constructed my greenhouse, we ran conduit underground to carry electricity safely and buried a length of PVC pipe that carried the warm, moist air from our electric clothes dryer inside. The last thing we did every night was to toss a big load of freshly washed clothes into the dryer. And even on really cold nights, we could watch the automatic vent open and look at the beautiful steam come pouring out. Well, that sure was some good information about greenhouse design, now wasn't it? Luckily for you, the question of the week appears in print at the Gardens Alive website, where you can read it over at your leisure or your leisure. Just click the link for the question of the week at our website, which is still and will forever be, say it with me, bang my earphones, youbetyourgarden.org. Ooh, that hurts. Garden Alive supports the You Bet Your Garden Question of the Week, and you will always find the latest Question of the Week at the Gardens Alive website. Yikes, my producer is threatening to poke holes in my plastic if I don't get out of this studio. Woo, we must be out of time. But you can call us anytime at 888-492-9444 or send us your email. You're tired. You're poor your wretched refuse of communications teeming towards our garden shore at ybyg at wlvt.org. Please include your location. You'll find all of our contact information, plus answers to all your garden questions, video of this show, audio of this show, audio and video of all our old shows, and links to our internationally renowned podcast at YouBetYourGarden.org. You Bet Your Garden is a half-hour public television show, an hour-long public radio show and podcast, all produced and delivered to you weekly. Why is it weekly? I think it's kind of strong. Well, anyway, it's distributed by PRX, the Public Radio Exchange. You Bet Your Garden was created by Mike McGrath. Mike McGrath was created when the price of comic books went from 10 to 12 cents, and he promised to avenge his precious but now unemployed dimes. Ken Queter plays our theme song. Our chief content officer is Yoni Greenbaum. Our angel of the airways is Christine Dempsey. Our audio engineer is always cheerful Charlie. Sarah. Our social media director is Amanda Norfleet. Please check out her fine work and look at all the pictures of my harvest from this season at our You Bet Your Garden Facebook page. 
I'm growing saffron. Our peerless princess of profound production is Teresa Radke. Our audio engineer is the always lovely Jonas Bowen. Our video editor is judicious Jake Boyer. Our harassed and harried director of direction is Javier Diaz. Our usual gang of idiots includes Eric Warner, Zach the Tack Wisniewski, and jolly Jake Morris. Although he is totally Irish, our beloved CEO Tim Fallon, who is not our executive producer, still insists on calling that green thing in his living room a Hanukkah bush. I'm your host, Mike McGrath. I observe every possible winter holiday so I can take time off with pay to eat Christmas cookies, enjoy endless plates of potato latkes, and every other possible delicious holiday treat that requires I buy a bigger belt in January. And then they'll roll me back in to see you again next week. Yo, guys, go. Great lockers this year. I think we're going to need a bigger hand truck. <laughs>